I definitely have a reputation for being jet set, quote unquote, and expecting champagne while camping and <laughs> whatever it is. I mean, I don't camp. Let's put that out there. <laughs> right, right, right. Expecting champagne while glamping. This is the final call for me. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 327. The Royal Penthouse Suite at the Hotel President Wilson in Geneva, Switzerland, is officially the world's most expensive hotel room, clocking in at $80,000 per night. But with 12 bedrooms, it's really only $6,600 a bedroom. That's affordable, right? Over the past six years of traveling, we've had travel experiences that have run the complete entire gamut of budget to luxury, from $2 a night hostel rooms in Thailand to over $1,000 a night hotel rooms in Paris. We've flown budget airlines. We've flown business class. We've done it all. And the thing that I love about my Tortuga backpack, my constant travel companion, is that no matter what situation that I am in, whether it's a completely budget situation, whether it is a luxury situation, it totally fits the bill. The Tortuga backpack looks sleek enough, looks stylish enough, so that when I'm rocking into a more expensive hotel, I don't feel out of place, I don't feel grungy, but of course, it is a backpack. And so when I'm on a backpacking trip or more of a budget trip, It totally works for that as well. So if you're looking for the best travel care-owned backpack, one that can run the gamut with you between budget all the way up to luxury, check out tortugabackpacks.com. Don't forget to use that promo code EPOP. That's E-P-O-P, all capital letters. That'll get you 10% off your entire order. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is a former corporate employee turned location-independent travel blogger whose goal is to show you the swoon-worthy destinations in the world and whose Instagram feed will definitely make you do that, Christina Vidal from JetsetChristina.com. Christina, thanks for joining me, and welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Travis. I'm so excited to be here. Did I get the last name right? Is it Vidal? Okay. Yeah, right. it's Christina Vidal. Vidal, Vidal. All yeah, right. Name. <laughs> you'll go. You'll go by either. All right. Awesome. Cool. And I'm super excited to have you here. We're going to talk about location independence. We're going to talk about your travel. We're going to talk about Instagram because that's something you know quite a lot about, and I know very, very little about. So I will. I will show my novice level ability um, when it comes to Instagram. But I want to start kind of at the backbone of everything that you're doing, and that is this idea of travel. And uh, everyone listening whether they want to become location independent, whether they just want to take trips on their vacation, whatever it is, it's all based around this idea that they want to see the world and they want to travel. Where did that come from for you? Is that like ingrained in you as a little kid? Was that something you found yourself? 
It definitely started when I was a little kid. Um, my travel is in my family. It's in my blood. My grandparents have been to over a hundred countries together. Um, so they're in the Centurion Club um, of over a hundred countries. My parents, we grew up traveling as as a family with other families, whether it was Europe, Mexico, Hawaii, anywhere. And I just, so I always was comfortable on a plane, comfortable, you know, adventuring out and seeing the world. Um, I went, I grew up in California, but went to the University of North Carolina. So I was always jumping back by coastal in college, but really where it started was I studied abroad on semester at sea. So that was a program, um, my sophomore year of college that I went to 12 different countries in four months and that was on a ship. So it was so cool and definitely eye opening to the world. Do you, from that trip, do you have any memories that stick out to you as like, all right, I was in this one place thinking, how am I so lucky? I can't believe I'm not in North Carolina or California, but I'm right here. Oh my God. I mean, every day, um, I'm trying to think of specific, well, certain countries really blew my mind. Like I went into that trip. So the countries we went, we went to were Japan, China, Hong Kong, India, Vietnam, Cambodia, uh, Ghana, Brazil, South Africa, and Mauritius. So circumnavigated the yeah, globe. Yeah, an eclectic mix One, there. One of eclectic countries. Yeah, it was really interesting. So looking at that itinerary before I left, I was like, cool, mostly excited about Brazil, South Africa. Those were kind of my, I knew they were going to be my favorites. I'm a beach girl. So I was definitely really, really excited about those ones. I wasn't as excited about Asia. I it was kind of a foreign world to me. I had never been. I And that's Asia is what blew my mind. As immediately hitting the ground in Japan, I, that, I fell in love. And, you know, so that, that to me was really interesting. As far as times when I just really felt like, wow, I can't believe I'm here. I would say in Cape Town. I When I was in Cape Town, South Africa, I felt like I wouldn't leave. I, I could still live there. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think, yeah, well, I think I've said it on the podcast, Cape Town is my favorite city in the world. And it is mind blowing the beauty that you have just tucked into Perfect. one city. Yeah. And it's everywhere you look, whether you're in downtown Cape Town or you're in Stellenbosch or you're at the Cape of Good Hope or you're at the Table Mountain, like it's everywhere you look. So you had travel ingrained in you as as a youngster with your with your grandparents setting the setting the pace there that now you're trying to yeah, you're trying to catch yeah, up to. And totally. then you went to college, you did this awesome trip semester at sea. What then did it look like after? Were you saying, all right, I have to build travel into my life? Or was there the typical all right, now I'm out of college. It's time to quote unquote grow up and do the normal routine. So semester at sea was actually where I started my first blog. I had a blog and it was for family and friends so that they didn't freak out because that was back in the days when we didn't have Instagram yet, by the way, which is crazy to think about. Facebook was a thing, but I wasn't updating my Facebook on a ship. There was not good Wi-Fi at all. We were disconnected. So my family was definitely missing me and wanting to know where we were and wanting to hear all the stories. And I wasn't able to call them on the phone. So I had this blog, I started it. And eventually, as the semester went on, I would have kids, other kids on the ship coming up to me and being like, are you Christina Vidal? My mom is following your blog. 
And it was so funny. I was like, this is awesome that strangers are finding my blog on Google because you know that those moms are missing their kids. So they're Googling semester at sea blogs and they're finding me and they're following my journey. And that really, that to me was so cool. So that's kind of where the idea of starting a real travel blog, aside from just the semester at sea travel blog was born, but it was totally on the side of my corporate dreams. I was an advertising major, definitely. It, it, I was a journalism advertising major, so that's kind of where my writing fits in, but um, definitely wanted to you know, move to New York City, maybe get a job at an ad agency. Um, I ended up moving to San Francisco after college. I worked at Google for about two years, and then I worked at a startup in video advertising. So definitely, I was doing it on the side. It was not, I wasn't seeking to make a living out of it right away. So when you were doing that, you're you're living this corporate job, or this corporate life, and you're thinking, okay, this is pretty decent. Were you still traveling? And what? when was the pool strong enough for you to say, let me take a leap and actually try to give this a full-time job? Like, was it dissatisfaction with work or was it just, I'm going to give it a go because why not? No, it definitely wasn't dissatisfaction. I was always honestly, you know, yeah, you hear all these stories of, oh, corporate girl quits her job and moves across the world. But that wasn't me. I was so torn up about having to move and not and leaving my life in San Francisco. I really loved my job. I loved where my job was going. And I, I, I liked it. But there was definitely that pull in me. I knew that there was something more. I knew that I always loved to travel. And yes, I was, to answer your first question, I was traveling a lot when I had a full-time job. I had a very understanding boss and um, a very understanding company. And I would do a lot of remote work. I would you know, just kind of make it work. Whether I had one day off work and it was a Memorial Day weekend, Sometimes I would be flying on a Friday afternoon for a Memorial Day weekend to the Bahamas, you know, whatever it is, like you're making it work. Like, and if there, you know, and if there's an opportunity, I wasn't saying no. So even as the blog started to grow in my full-time job, like I remember specifically this one Monday that I was on my way to work and I get a call from the Singapore tourism board and they're like, can you come to Singapore? We're, we're launching a new San Francisco to Singapore flight on Singapore Airlines. We want to promote Singapore, blah, blah. Can you fly on Wednesday morning to Singapore? And Singapore had always been on my, you know, top of my list of places to go. I was definitely like, and it's very hard to get there from San Francisco. It's not easy. And here's this direct flight, Singapore Tourism Board saying, can you come? And I had a full-time job. So I had to walk into my work, beg my boss to let me go for a week on Wednesday, Singapore. And so eventually, you know, you can only do that so many times and it did start to happen more and more. So what was the decision like then to quit? Because you said you were torn up. Was it was it a process then? How long did it take? And also, what kind of things did you put in place before you quit? Obviously, you're working on your blog and, and already gaining some traction there, so that was helpful. But were there other things that you did for your lifestyle before you actually up and left San Francisco? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so for me, it was like jumping off a cliff, the decision to quit, you know, because you just you have your life. It's going one way and it's it, you're on a great path. And then you're just like, mm, maybe I'll just jump. <laughs> and so... Uh, what I did and the advice that I always give kind of entrepreneurs who are like, uh, here, I have this side hustle. When do I, when do I jump off that cliff? When is the right decision? When is the right time to make that decision? And so for me, it was, it was setting a 
date in my mind of it. In my case, it was about, it was around January that I set a date of Labor Day weekend. And I was like, Labor Day weekend, I am out. I'm, qu- I'm quitting by then. That's my date. And then everything that I need to do working up to that date to make sure that I feel comfortable, that I'm saving more money. And, you know, once you have that date in your mind, you're working towards something, you know, that's your goal. And there's a lot that goes into, you know, feeling comfortable by that date. But yeah, I definitely think that's, that was the best advice I was given. So you gave yourself essentially eight to nine months of a runway there before saying, like, you jumped off a cliff in your own head because you're like, I'm leaving, but I'm not actually just leaving and getting on this flight and uprooting. I'm giving myself eight months to figure it all out. Work up more partnerships to figure out how I'm going to be able to make money as a digital nomad. And yeah, exactly. Like that runway, like you're saying, I love that way of putting it. When did you really kind of know, hey, this is this is going to work. Was there trepidation and fear, even though you gave yourself this runway? You said, ah, it's, it's working as my side hustle, but now it has to work as my, as my thing. Like, this is me. I've got no buffer other than savings and things like that. Was there trepidation or were you like, no, I, I've, I've done a good job. I'm ready to roll. To be honest, I did not realize that I could make, could, I could truly make it work until I quit. Until it was like a couple months in and I, I kind of, you know, I, I, I set my expectations, like I didn't set them sky high. Right. I was like, okay, I'm probably going to use my savings for the first six months of traveling and of doing this blog full time. And the reality was I was actually saving more money, not living in San Francisco and making money from my blog in those first few months than I was at my corporate job. So that is insane to me. And that was the biggest surprise and that was when I truly realized like, okay, this is, this is who I can be. And this is awesome. Yeah. You make a really interesting point there because you, you were living in San Francisco, one of the more expensive places in the world at that point for rent and, and things like that. And then you took off and all of a sudden, even if you weren't making the same amount with your blog as you were at your other job, you had all this extra money because you didn't have the expenses. Where did you go to? Like, how were you able to spend less while traveling? Cause that's a big, myth that we bust, we both know is that true, but like you can actually spend less traveling than living. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really had to separate myself from that kind of San Francisco mindset of rent, cost of living, going out with friends every day of the week. Like, you know, I, I, but once you did do that, like once I did separate myself from that, I realized, wow, that's a lot of money that I could be using toward travel. And yeah. So what I did was I booked a one-way ticket to Bali because <laughs> actually my boyfriend, he has a business in Bali. It's called Kenny Flowers. It's uh, like a men's retail Hawaiian shirt business. Okay. And so he already was there. So that to me was like, okay, he knew that you can make a living very cheaply in Bali. You can live an awesome life for really cheap and food is cheap. Rent is cheap. Everything is And it's paradise. It's absolutely paradise. Not only that, it's really where a lot of entrepreneurs are right now. So it's a huge entrepreneurial community. You're really inspired by the people you're meeting in Bali. They're all doing awesome things like whether it's his business in the retail space, whether it's meeting other travel bloggers and influencers. um, It's just a really inspiring place to be. So that was definitely like, I felt like, okay, I can live there and, and make, make a lot more money than living in San Francisco. Yeah, so then it looks glamorous from the outside. And it is 
like I don't want to be the super curmudgeon critic of like of location independence because obviously I'm a champion of it, but it looks glamorous. Bali motorbikes, obviously go to your Instagram. It's amazing. But what was the hardest part of the lifestyle of this location independent lifestyle of building your own business of relying on yourself? What are some of the obstacles that crept up on you that maybe people don't see if they're not actually seeing the inside picture and knowing you and knowing how hard you've worked? So yeah, that you hit the nail on the head of just how hard of work it is. And I'm working 10 times harder it working on my blog than I was in my corporate job, you know, take that as you will. Um, no, but, but no, but I was, I am, I'm, it's, it's my business. It's working for myself. It's, you're so passionate about it. And for me, it's, it's really, it's been awesome because, you know, I mentioned that I was a journalism major and an advertising major and that I worked in marketing and video advertising. It's like tying all these things I love together. And then working on my own brand. And, and that's, and I love working with brand partners and really, you know, and I don't know, it's, it's just been so great and inspiring to be able to just work for your, for, for yourself. Yeah. Would you say that, cause I found this for myself, the mental side of it can often be the hardest part of it because you are juggling 10, I mean, 10 might be actually too little, like 50 things each day that you have to do that you want to do that no one's saying, no one's above you saying, hey, here's how you should prioritize, do this, this, this. And then at the end of the day, you're done. It's all in your own head. And so for me, that was always the hardest transition was, you know, setting expectations for myself, but making sure they weren't so crazy that you were driving yourself insane because you weren't going to get them all done as quickly as you wanted to. Right. And I think, you know, at the beginning of every day, I, I think, what are my goals for today? What do I need to accomplish today? What are kind of the bigger things you need to accomplish, whether it's a blog post or, you know, a photo shoot and a place or whatever it is. Um, and then going from there. And then I also try to keep in mind all the time, like, yes, there may be 10 or 20 brands that are emailing you and, and people that are trying to get a hold of you and talk to you and whatever. But the most important thing at the end of the day is that I am talking to my audience and that I am really creating content for them and making sure that, you know, maybe a brand is reaching out to me and wanting to schedule a meeting and all this stuff. And that, that can get really stressful when there's 50 of those. But the most important thing at the end of the day is that what am I doing for my audience? Like, what am I doing to, you know, for my travelers, that's going to help them. How long has it been since you made that initial decision to up and leave and get on that plane, like leave your life in San Francisco to, to then move and have that home base in Bali? It has almost been a year, but not even a whole year, which is awesome. Okay. So what have you in this? I love that because it's, it's fresh, it's new, you've been able to do it and do it successfully. And you had that runway, like we talked about before. It wasn't, it's not this overnight success story of, oh yeah, I just started a blog and then I left two days later and here I am. You had, you build it up over, you know, multiple years. And then you said, all right, I'm going to make the jump. And it's been a year. What has been the most eye-opening, either in a good or bad way of the location independent lifestyle in that year that you've been able to do it? Hmm. Most eye-opening. Were things that, that have happened yeah. that you thought, wow, when I 
first started a year ago, I, I didn't envision this would be what's happening. Like, I thought my life would look like this, but wow, now I took this opportunity or, oh man, I did this and it like flopped or it was harder than I thought, yeah. anything like that. I would say there's a few things that I would say to that. I, I think that what's been most surprising is just this spectrum of opportunities that come to you when you are location independent and when you are, you know, away from the corporate world and you're able to say yes to different opportunities. And for me, that's been things like I actually got to consult with the Saudi Arabian Royal family on a big seven star resort that they are thinking about building. And like, I got to be a consultant for them of what goes into a luxury resort and what, what are the most important things and what are, what's our generation, you know, what do they want in a, in a super, super ultra luxury resort and things like that. Like I would have never guessed starting off that as a travel blogger, that would be something that I would be doing, but I was flying to New York city and that was a business trip and I was working with them. And that was just so cool to me. I was like, this is, this is marketing. Like it's definitely my marketing side, but it's also the travel side and the luxury travel side. And, um, so that's been really awesome. And when, for example, like I'm talking to a company that I've worked with right now, I won't say their name cause it's not, you know, close the, the deal's not closed yet, but, um, but I'm talking to them about being a like media spokesperson for them. And that's an opportunity that I wouldn't have guessed would come my way. It's just little things like that, that when you're able to say yes, it's amazing how things can just lead to another thing. For yeah. other people who are interested in doing that, because you've been able to really successfully partner like with brands and you mentioned, you know, the Saudi Arabia royal family and then other like travel brands, Singapore Airlines, things like that. What would you say is the best way for someone to start out with that? Because I know that can certainly be daunting. And you even said like, now you have experience with it. And you still say it's daunting. You have these people contacting you. I'm sure there's a lot of things that lead to nowhere. You put all this time in and it doesn't go anywhere and you could get discouraged. So what would be a few pieces of advice for someone who said, you know, I want to do that too. Like I want to partner with brands that resonate with whatever it is. Like for you, it's luxury travel. For them, it might be something different. What are those key takeaways that you've learned in the last couple of years that you're like, hey, this is what I found to work really well? Yeah. Um, I would say at a core, just really owning your value. And I go into every brand partnership conversation, knowing that knowing what I can do for them and that it's very valuable. And I think too many people kind of go into it with that trepidation and like, Oh, I don't know. Like I, I, I should probably, I could probably just do this for free. You know, it's fine. A, a free trip is fine, but I go into it like, this is extremely valuable. Here's how many people you can reach through my, through at Jet Set Christina on Instagram, through my blog, like through my newsletter, all these things. And I go into it like very confident. And if they say no, I am a hundred percent okay with that. You know, I am that, you know, I just, I accept that there's lots of opportunity out there. And, and in the beginning, I think that's the hard part is you want to say yes to everything, but you have to realize that like, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with free stuff. And, and like those beginning bloggers and those beginning influencers, they're the ones, they have a lot of responsibility on them because brands are looking to them and they're saying yes to free stuff. So then brands are like, oh, cool. Content creation is free. And you know, all this marketing we can get for free. And it's like, no quality marketing. It's very valuable. And yeah. So I think owning your value and going into those conversations, extremely confident and yeah. I love the idea of walking away from something too, whether it's whether it's because they they don't want to meet 
you know, quote unquote, I don't want to see your demands, but whether they don't want to meet you with what you're saying, hey, this is what I need to get, or whether it might not be a good fit. Like at first you might think, hey, this is a good fit. You sit down in a meeting or have a Skype conversation. All of a sudden you're like, I don't know. This doesn't really fit with my brain. Have you had to have those tough like conversations with yourself almost where you said like, and you don't have to name names. You can if you want, but where you you said like this, I thought this was going to be great. And I ended up not taking it for one reason or another. Yeah. Um, that's actually, I mean, that's happened to me with a hotel partnership that I, I actually got there and I thought it was going to be a luxury hotel and it didn't turn out to, it didn't, didn't exactly fit with my luxury travel brand. And I knew that if I wrote about them and I talked to my audience about them, my Instagram story about them, whatever, um, that my audience trusts what I have to say. And if they think that, if they think Jet Set Christina would stay in this hotel, like they might want to stay there and they might think that it's better than it is. And I had, and it wasn't just that it wasn't luxury. I had a bad experience there. And you know, that, that was, it was, it's tough because you're like, I'm working with this brand. I, I want to represent them the best it can be. But to that point, if I have a bad experience, I'm going to be authentic. So I just ended up, you know, telling them I, I don't feel comfortable writing about it, blah, blah, blah. And that was that, but yeah. Yeah, not and it's very hard in the beginning, yeah. especially when you're trying to build an audience. But I think that the more you do things like that and you put yourself in those situations and then take a, a broad like take yourself out of it and look from it from a perspective of someone else and say, "Hey, if I was like listening to the Epop podcast, if I was following Jet Set Christina, would this be in line with their values?" And if the answer is no or even if the answer is like maybe not, then you have to you might have to make a hard decision to not put that podcast out or not, you know, speak highly of this one brand on Instagram or whatever it is that that your platform is. A hundred percent. I think it's just really important to be true to your brand and who you are and, and, and to really like niche that brand. Like I'm very much luxury travel. And when people reach out to me with, you know, a hostel that they want me to partner with and whether it looks like an awesome hostel that I would love to stay at on my own dime. Like, but that's not, that's not my brand. That's not something that I would write about. So it's, it's definitely kind of owning that niche too. I, okay. I love that comment because that is your luxury travel and you go to Christina's Instagram, you're going to be like, okay, yep, this is awesome. And even for someone like me, if you guys listen to the podcast, you know, Heather, way more luxury than me. I mean, I'll take it, but it's not my... (laughs) It's not where I started. It's not exactly my style. Um, and I, I love that you're owning that. And I know you have a preference for luxury. What about roughing it? Do you do you <laughs> rough it? Like, I mean, whether it's maybe it's not a brand partnership, but would you like have you roughed it in your own travel? Do you like roughing it at all? Or are you like, nope, only the best for me? Oh, I would love to say that I've roughed it. And, but then I know that every single one of my friends, my boyfriend, everybody will be listening to this. Like, are you kidding me, Christina? (laughs) I definitely have a reputation for being jet set, quote unquote, and, um, you know, expecting champagne while camping and (laughs) whatever it is. I mean, I, and I don't camp. Let's put that out there. (laughs) Right, right, right. Expecting champagne while glamping. Uh, (laughs) No, I, I have, I've stayed in some hostels, but it was definitely like back in college. Um, you, you know, I think that once again, thanks to my parents and their their life, lifestyle, luxury lifestyle, that definitely growing up, I was that's what I was used to. So that's definitely 
that sounds so bratty. I, I like, but it's just what I, it's what I like best. <laughs> hey, like you said, you're owning that niche. Like that is your niche, your luxury travel. You didn't go into it saying I'm any other way. And I think that that's why people, no matter what niche they're doing or what kind of vibe they're putting out there, that's why people resonate with them because they'll say, if Christi- if it's good enough for Christina, I know it's good enough for me, right? And then they'll get there and they'll have that experience that that is if they're looking for yeah. luxury, which is important. Exactly. And you know, and and but to that point, I'm all about finding great deals on luxury and I'm all about saving money while traveling and you know, if it's not a partnership, like I am the I'm the first one that's searching every website to find the very best hotel deal. I'm using my reward points. I'm I have the SPG credit card. I love it. Um, but yeah, like I I it's not that I want to waste money because I definitely do not when I'm traveling, but it's just that I want to get that best experience for I, my life. Exactly. So I, I always think that there's this kind of, what are those? There's Venn diagram. I guess, yeah, they're Venn diagrams, always circles. And you're trying to find, and everyone's is different, but you're trying to find that sweet spot between like cost, comfort, and convenience, right? Love and that. so yeah. your Venn diagram is going to look different than mine. And mine certainly looks different from what mine was seven years ago when I had no money and and had to, like for me it was like cost was the overriding factor because hey we just want to get there we want to travel then it shifts a bit right and then it shifts more and more and more depending on it so your your cost convenience comfort might be skewed to one side mine might be more in the middle now some people's if their budget travel might be in the beginning but you're still saying I like luxury but I'm not I'm not someone who's just going to throw away money. What are some of the ways that you save money while traveling while still having that upper tier or luxury experience? Yeah, I would say, um, first of all, I always love, love a resort that's a free breakfast. I, I think that's the best, you know, and you don't realize how much you spend if you're going out to get a cup of coffee, a bag, even a small breakfast. It's like, well, that's, that's when you're a travel blogger and you're living on as much of a budget as you can, like, that's, I love free breakfast. <laughs> um, what else? I, I mean, like I said, reward points, frequent flyer miles, all of that. I'm all about it. Join every loyalty program you can really like rack up those points because there's no, no better feeling than being at like a five-star resort and being like, Oh, I didn't pay for any of these nights. I used all my points. Like it's great. And, and not only that, like being able to treat loved ones to those kind of nights and things like that. It's just, I think that's the best. And, um, other ways to save money. I have, just yeah, scouring Skyscanner is my favorite website. I love Skyscanner. I feel like they always find the best deals. Um, scouring all the different travel apps and setting the alerts for you know certain if you know you're going to take a trip sometime, like setting alerts so it'll alert you if there's a good deal. I don't know. There's lots of ways. Yeah, I love that because luxury doesn't have to always equate to expensive, right? I mean, certainly. There, there is a correlation to some degree, but you can get these awesome jet set, you know, things like flying business class using your points that, you know, I'm probably never, I don't think going to pay out of pocket for business class flight that's $5,000, $10,000, but I've been able to do that. And I think that there is this, this in between, you don't have to rough, you don't have to stay in hostels if you don't want to, you can have these experiences, but you can do it in a way that still saves money versus the regular person. And that comes down to, like you said, research, being smart with it and things like that. Also, another way, and you've done this and you talked about this a little bit, is traveling to places that are cheaper destinations where your dollar or euro or whatever it is you're making goes further. 
and you you have a base in Bali. So speak to some of those destinations that you found that are that you, you know you're still paying for these luxury experiences, but instead of paying thousands of dollars, you're paying hundreds of dollars. Oh my gosh! I mean, my two favorites in the last year have been Cambodia and Colombia, which is funny because they kind of sound alike. Um, but Colombia is so about to blow up that you need to go there right now. Like it is, you know, they obviously had the drug wars in the nineties and the eighties and, and that, that has scared a lot of people away from Colombia for no reason. Like it is so safe. I didn't feel unsafe there one bit. I was there for almost a month. It's amazing. And it's so cheap. And yeah, it's, it's great food, great wine. Cause they have all the like Argentinian Malbecs and all they have. Like, I'm a wine person clearly. Um, but they have great food, great wine, beautiful hotels, beautiful like nature. And just, it's, it's wonderful. And there's Cartagena, there's Medellin, there's Bogota, there's lots of different areas of Colombia that you can explore. And right now it's just, it has not really been discovered. So, and then Cambodia, um, you know, similarly, they had, they had a really rough time and, uh, you know, 15 plus years ago, and people are still a little scared of the country of, okay, what's it like? Like, are there landmines there, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's very safe. It's very tourism friendly because of Angkor Wat. And, um, yeah. And I just, I recently went to the coast of Cambodia. I had been to Angkor Wat before on semester at sea, but I did the coast and the coast is so stunning. It's so, once again, like undiscovered and dirt cheap. I mean, it's awesome. Yeah. One of the best things about basing yourself like you do in in Bali and Southeast Asia is that there's so many different countries that you can get to. And then obviously so many different parts of countries, like being up in the north in Cambodia and Angkor Wat, way different than being on the coast. And you you hop in between and maybe it's not luxury. Do you fly on Air Asia or no? <laughs> Yes, I have. I have. Okay. Okay. Not, not your favorite, but for a thirty dollars ticket, it might be worth it. Exactly. I okay. have. I did that to Cambodia, actually. Okay. So, so you. I mean, that's yeah. not. I guess roughing, roughing it, but you'll yeah. for a deal. Okay. So I'm small, so those that leg room is it's awful. Yeah. All right. So, so you've been you've been on Air Asia, but yeah. one of the things I love about Southeast Asia is that ability to get around so cheaply and you're seeing so many different types of cultures. You could, you could be in Bali and say, Hey, I'm going to hop on a flight. I'm going to go up to Vietnam today. Uh, okay, cool. Let's go. There's 30 ticket. Here we go. Let's explore around Vietnam. In one week you spend, you know, a couple hundred dollars or maybe a thousand dollars if you're staying in really awesome places. And you can have these experiences that would cost you, I mean, almost 10 times as much if you were trying to do that in Western Europe or in like, in California, one of the, you know somewhere where your your costs are going to be much much higher for accommodations. Yeah, it's amazing. I will recommend Bali to any entrepreneur or anybody that wants to be location independent. I think it's such a good home base, and yeah, it's like when I'm there, I am traveling all the time. Whether it's just around Bali or it's around Southeast Asia. Or last last time I was there, I, I hopped over to Australia for the first time, which was awesome. Um, you know, there's just so much over there. What what was it like setting up a base in Bali? Because obviously traveling is different than, you know, being, well, I shouldn't say different than being location independent. You can be location independent and be bumping around and, and nomadic and traveling like like we did for a couple of years. Or you can then start to maybe skew towards that, hey, I'm location independent. I'm going to have a base and I'm going to go from there, which is which is what we do now, which is what you're doing in Bali. What was it like setting up an actual 
space in Bali, like picking a spot that you want to stay in, finding an apartment. Talk about that process because it's a little different than just saying, I'm going to be in a hotel for a week and then I'm going to move on. Well, Airbnb is amazing in Bali. So that is where I start when it comes to like, okay, I'm going to be here for, I, I, I go to Bali for a couple months at a time, but multiple times per year. And then, cause there is lots of travel to be doing right now. I'm in the States cause you know, there's lots of travel around the States that I want to do. And then I go to Europe later this summer, you know, so it depends on what my travel schedule is and what partnerships I have, et cetera. But yeah, when I am in Bali, it's like setting up an Airbnb for a month or two. And then around that I'll, I'll still, you know, travel, but then I have that home base. Um, and then as far as yeah, finding one, it's they're they're very well priced, especially when I was coming from San Francisco rent prices. It was a huge breath of fresh air. And um, and yeah, and just uh, as far as a place like right now in Bali, there's an area called Changu, which is like expat mania. And um, and then there's Ubud, which is beautiful. So I actually like to go like one month in Ubud, one month in Changu, because Changu is more beachy and Ubud's more like jungly, but very like zen and beautiful. Yeah. Outside of Bali, what are some of your favorite places that you've traveled to before? And then we're going to get into the place. Well, we could throw it all together. What are some of your favorite places you've traveled to? And what are some of the ones that you're like, I haven't been here, but this is this is on my radar. I, I can't wait to get there. Yeah, love it. Um, Cape Town, South Africa, as we mentioned earlier, my favorite place in the world. Lots of good uh, wine. Lots of good wine. I know. See, you you know yeah, you already you already know exactly what you need to make me happy. Good wine, pretty views, and a beach. There you go. <laughs> Cape Town has yeah. all of that. No. Um, okay, let's see. Who else has that? Italy. Um, Italy, I have a love affair with Italy. I just think it's the most beautiful, romantic, amazing place, um, the whole country, but specifically the Amalfi Coast, um, Ravello, Italy. Even within the Amalfi Coast, you know, everybody goes to Positano, but I highly recommend that people check out Ravello. It's more up in the cliffs of the Amalfi Coast. So you have these stunning views. It's a little small town. It's so cute. Best pasta I've ever had in my life. Um, and then let's see, my third favorite place I've ever been. I mean, it's, it's but we can't say Bali because we've been talking about Bali too much, but it would be Bali. Um, okay. And then I'll give one more. Um I love like Saint Tropez, south of France. That's so jet set of me. <laughs> right, I was gonna say, well, that that fits with the brand right there. I love Saint Tropez and just the whole south of France area as well. There you go. Not your cheapest destination like no. Bali would be, but but yeah. it's certainly luxury and yeah. certainly high class and all that yeah. kind of stuff. What about for you? Obviously, you've been traveling quite a bit. I you're at fifty. I don't know. Your site's at fifty fifty six countries. You have yeah. 56 countries. You've done quite a lot of traveling, whether it be when you're location independent last year or previously when you were just like, hey, I'm going to fly to Singapore uh, in two days, boss. I'm out of here. It's cool, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> what were What is, in your mind, the biggest travel mishap that you've ever had? Oh, man. So it's ironic that I'm on this podcast called Extra Pack of Peanuts because I am deathly allergic to peanuts. <laughs> and I, traveling is, traveling Southeast Asia in particular is literally like, you know, walking with a bunch of landmines around and you, it's, it's extremely dangerous. Trust me, when I told my parents I was going to take a one-way ticket to Bali, they were very, very concerned. And for good reason, because let's see, um, 
I have had a couple instances with peanuts, but the worst was I was at a cafe in Bali, an Australian run cafe. You know, you think they understand your allergy. I told them I was actually being hosted by the cafe. So they bring out, you know, 20 things of food. They're all beautiful. And in particular, there was this milkshake that was gorgeous. It had like popcorn on top and it was a salted caramel milkshake. And, you know, it was like 11 in the morning and I was very excited about this milkshake for breakfast of of all the things on the table that that was calling my name. And I saw it on the menu and it was a salted caramel milkshake. I was like, awesome. It didn't say anything about peanuts on the menu. And I, I was actually, I of course had to take a photo with it first, being an Instagrammer. And it, you know, this cafe in particular has this beautiful wall that, you know, so I have my milkshake and I'm just sipping on it or I didn't even sip it. I like took like for the photo, I like took like a half a sip and immediately knew it had peanuts in it. I was like petrified because it's, I'm deathly allergic and it's anaphylaxis and it's awful. And, um, so I immediately like asked the waitress, like, does this have peanuts? And she, and you know, she's this Indonesian, very sweet lady. She doesn't want to say, she doesn't want to say anything bad to you. So she's just kind of smiling. She's like, I go check. Yeah. And so she like takes her You're time. Like, Please hurry up. My throat's going to close up. So I, I, you know, Oh my gosh. And so I run to the bathroom. I like make myself grow up. I'm like, what? Oh my God, this is so, so bad. Everything is bad. And so she comes back. She's like, yeah, it has a spoonful of peanut butter in the milkshake. And I was like, a spoonful? That is just like terrible. And um, so yeah, I, you know, she actually, the waitress was very kind, but she just, she jumps me on her motorbike and we go like 50 miles an hour to the nearest hospital. And yeah, I mean, it was really, really bad. Of course, like the doctors in Indonesia are so funny. They are just like, like I said, the culture is very like happy and, and smiley and they don't want to like, they don't want to disappoint you. So I'm sitting there in the hospital, like my throat is closing up, trying to like get all the, you know, my EpiPen and everything and oxygen and, and the doctor is just like smiling at me. And I was like, uh, am I going to be okay? And he's just like smiling. And I'm is like, this the oh, last God. face I see before I go to the <laughs> other world? Like, I'm glad you're smiling, but yeah. Yeah. So okay. yeah. That was quite a mishap. Yeah, Southeast Asia in and being allergic to peanuts, which I've never thought about before because I'm not allergic to peanuts, but that must be very, very, very tough. Not, I mean, every, not everything, but so much stuff has peanuts in it, and you constantly have the smell and all the peanut yeah. sauces and stuff. Uh, yeah, and there's certain Asian food that is very safe, like Japanese food is one of the safest places for peanut allergies. You know, it's very just like fish and rice and wasabi and very safe. It's simple. Um, but to to that point, I was eating sushi in Cambodia and I my sushi got mixed up with a Thai person at this luxury resort. This Thai person, it was a very nice resort. They had asked specifically to put peanuts on their sushi, of all things. So that was another mishap. But it was like, yeah, so it's like you, you can never be too careful. Here I am thinking, oh, sushi, easy. Um, you know, and you can never be too careful. And um, it's, it's crazy. It's definitely hard, but I don't let that stop me. And I don't think that anybody with allergies should let it stop you. You know, I still fly Southwest Airlines. They're amazing about like, you know, not serving peanuts on the plane when you have an allergy, things like that. Like, 
you know, just talk to airlines ahead of time. Definitely make sure every chef in Asia knows that they can't give me peanuts. But um, yeah, it's just, a, it's, it, I don't let it stop me for sure. You walk down the street now in Bali and people are like, oh, no, no, like throwing the peanuts out the, out the back door. Yeah. Um, one of the things I, I forgot because you mentioned Japan. I know you had been to Japan, but that reminded me of a place that you want to go to that you haven't been yet. So that's a good way for us to wrap it up is what are those places? Because you've got your grandparents who are in like the Centurion Club. So they've, they've regaled you stories of over 100 countries. Where are the ones that you're like, this is either you have a plan that's next on your list or you're saying I'm going to make an effort to get here. Cause this is, this just sounds exactly like what I want. Yep. Um, there are a lot on my list, but I would say doing an African safari that is very high on my list. Um, I really want to get to like Zanzibar and Tanzania together because Zanzibar is more the Island beachy part and then do like a safari. That's a dream trip of mine. Dubai. I'm dying to get to Dubai and Oman, kind of that area of the Middle East. And then Argentina. I've never been to Argentina and I want to go Malbec tasting in the mountains of Argentina. And I want to explore Buenos Aires and see Iguazu Falls and all that. So. All right, yeah, there you go. That's that's some good trips right there. That's some jet set trips that you oh, got co- that you got coming up. What else do you have coming up in the pipeline that people should be looking out for? Whether it be new projects you're doing, whether it be anything that you're working on that you're like, hey, this is going to be pretty cool, and it's going to be coming up on Jet Set Christina. I have a partnership coming up with Japan, actually, which is awesome. I cannot wait to get back there. Um, it's with Beauty of Japan, kind of a Japanese tourism agency that just they're promoting. The beauty of Japan, obviously. So that that will be in about uh, three or four weeks, and then um, from there, I have a partnership with Ex- Expedia. They can my followers will watch me take over Expedia's Instagram as I like go to this luxury resort in Cancun. Um, I where else am I going? Oh, I, a lot of Europe later this summer. Like it's still kind of being planned, but hoping to get over to Italy, back to my favorite country. And um, I have a wedding to go to in Barcelona. I have lots. Oh, and I'm going to the Maldives. I'm going to the Maldives later this summer. So lots of things going on. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's about as as hotsy tatsy. Is that even a word? That's about as luxury as but, possible, right? Going out to the Maldives. There's no way to do that yeah. roughing it, really, unless you're oh, taking no. your own boat and like sleeping on yeah. the beach. But yeah, oh, no, I can't wait. I think that's going to be my element. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. And and I really I want to thank you, Christina, for joining us today. I want to also like for oh, you said earlier, and I think it's so true. You said owning your niche and like, this is the thing that you do. You're not hiding behind it. You're not saying, well, I like luxury, but this, that. You're like, no, I don't care if people like you even call yourself a brat and I'm not going to go that far and call you a brat. Um, but just saying like, hey, this is what I do. This is what my brand's about. This is what I like. This is this is what I'm going to portray to people and other people who follow me. They're going to know that they're getting this because I don't skimp. Like I'm not going to go I- camping. <laughs> I know the value of people's PTO and their hard-earned vacation time, and I really want them to be able to travel better and travel these once-in-a-lifetime experiences. And for some people, those are the more roughing it experiences, and that is uh, fine. But for me, I'm like, the once-in-a-lifetime experiences are doing it the very best it can be. And I just, I want to be the person that people can come to when it comes to their honeymoon and their, you know, whatever, their 30th birthday vacation, whatever it is, like they, you know, these life life experience vacations. For sure. Can you tell I've never worked in a corporate world? Because it took me like a good 
five seconds like PTO. Oh. Pay time off. Pay time off. There you go. But I think <laughs> I think that there's the value, right, in what you're doing. Like you were in the corporate world, you realized that people only had a certain amount of time and that if they were gonna have that certain amount of time that and they wanted and they had the money to do it and they wanted to have the experience, you were gonna show them exactly how to do that. So I just want to thank you for coming on, showcasing that, saying, hey, it's luxury travel. That's what I do. I'm not going to hide behind it. Um, and I'm going to show you how I turned a hobby, something that you're doing on the side, into something that was full-time with effort, patience, skill, all that kind of, and hustle and all that kind of stuff. So um, thanks for joining us. Also, remind people one more time how they can get a hold of you, where they can find you, what's the best place to see everything that you're doing. Yeah, check me out on Instagram. It's at Jet Set Christina with a C-H. Um, I am also online at www.jetsetchristina.com. You can sign up for my Friday flyer. I do a little email every Friday with just like blog highlights and travel tips and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, Instagram is the best place to find me. DM me for any travel recommendations you need. I love helping people out. And yeah, and thanks so much for having me, Travis. This is a dream of mine to be on Extra Pack of Peanuts, even though I'm allergic, but... <laughs> <laughs> we we will not send you our regular gift to guest, which is like a, a carton of peanuts. We won't send you that, okay? Well, <laughs> and we don't we don't actually send people that. If anyone's okay. wondering, um, but it, but maybe hey, maybe that's a good marketing point at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you guys for listening. If you are interested in learning at. Everything that we talked about is going to be linked up in the show notes. Everything Christine is doing, as well as some of the specific trips she talked about. You can find all that at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash shows. Don't forget, too, if you are traveling around and if you are, well, you could be luxury or you could be roughing it, either or. But if you only want to travel with a carry-on and you like having a backpack, check out tortugabackpacks.com. Use that promo code EPOP. That'll get you 10% off your entire order. Thanks again, Christina, for uh, for hanging out with us today. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and for the continued support that makes us number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. Until next time, happy free travels. I'll show you how-